It has been a long time since he was out there, active. But he's still around. The Zodiac managed to generate enough fear in California, enough notoriety around the world, to have lived in the mind of mankind for half a century to this point. And not rent-free, as the saying goes. No, the rent was agreed to be five lives. Though I think we all know that that number is much too low. The letters have all been sent, and the ciphers, the codes that have been cracked to date, seemingly only serve to crack a smile on the ghost of a killer, who still haunts us to this day. But now, there's a strong possibility that we suddenly have a real shot, after all these years, to know who he was, why he was. And it's strange, because for the most part, people seem resistant to the idea. They seem upset that the game may finally be over. They don't want to believe it. They don't want to know. The Zodiac, somewhere along the line, became more beloved legend than elusive killer. And that's maybe the most disturbing thing of all. Can we talk something else? Can, can we talk about something else? Hello out there. This is a special episode of Dark Topic, featuring an interview with one of the members of the Case Breakers, a group of 40 former FBI agents, journalists, and retired law enforcement dedicated to solving high-profile cold cases. Jennifer Buchholz, a surveillance expert, a licensed private investigator, an investigative journalist, and professor of criminal justice and forensic science, also an Army veteran specializing in uh, counterintelligence, as well as podcast host of Break the Case. That's a long list of... Uh, I mean, she, but she's pretty incredible. She's she's very recently come across my radar, pun intended, there, I guess. Um, we'll get to that later. And she's here to share some of what the case breakers have discovered regarding the infamous Zodiac case. Welcome to Dark Topic, and thank you so much for this exciting interview, Jennifer Buchholz. Oh, for sure. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to talk to you about all this. Oh, I'm re- very excited. We got uh, put together by a, by a mutual friend, Kim Phillip, and uh, that, mm-hmm. that was just a couple of days ago. So I kind of have been having to rush to get to this. As uh, you've told me, there's going to be a blackout of some of this information. It's It's looming. Is that correct? Fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, uh, Case Breakers is due to sign a contract for a documentary mm-hmm. on our work on this case in the very near future. And once that's signed, we can no longer do any interviews about the Zodiac stuff without you know, ex- explicit uh, permission from the network, which I don't think they're going to grant. Right. So we're trying to get as much information out there as we can before we go under that media blackout. That's awesome. And I'm so happy to be able to be one of the one of the podcasts that can put some of that information out for you. Um, I, unfortunately, I wasn't able to in like two days put together a dark topic on the Zodiac case. To be honest with you, Jennifer, as soon as I mean, when I started to dig into it, thinking that, you know, foolishly, that possibly I could whip together a dark topic on the Zodiac case to, to pair with this. I, I was shocked. I actually got a hold of you. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I'm going to need your help. It's immense. It is immense. I I can't even keep every single little thing straight, and I can't recite every date and all that stuff from Zodiac, so don't feel bad. I mean, it has spanned 50 years, you know, 50 years of research and investigation, so there's no way any one person can pare that down into something reasonable. No. For the audience, though, if you're looking for a recap or, you know, even a recap on on the Zodiac case, you're not going to find it here. What you're going to find is... um, just some new information on it, and we'll we'll dive into a couple of of the uh, suspected murders or the actual murders of the Zodiac to to try to tie them to some of the information that you have. But f- my my first question for you, Jennifer, I've been listening to some of your interviews and watching you on YouTube and all that, and I found myself so frustrated with some of the feedback that you guys are getting. I just want to make it very clear that you are part of the group, the Case Breakers, that that is all over the news right now regarding the Zodiac. It's that group, right? Yes, I am an investigative member, an official member, and I also sit on the board of directors. So I have two direct links to the the group. That's awesome. Okay, so you're one of the 40 that they talk about. Yes, I am. Wow. Wow. 
Okay, so what I want to say to you is, uh, or ask you, what's frustrating about how you uh, or the case breakers are being portrayed by the media and perceived by all these knuckleheads online? Like, can, can we start by just making it really clear who the case breakers are and what the mission is? For sure. So case breakers was actually started about 10 years ago by a guy named Tom Colbert, whose main background is in, is in journalism, reporting, investigative journalism, stuff like that. And he he formed this little group. It was just him and a few other people about 10 years ago because they got some information about the D.B. Cooper case. Mm-hmm. So they started following that information and did their own years-long research project into that case and ended up writing a book about it and everything. And, and then, uh, we can talk about this if you want, but a tip or information, I should say, about Dale Julin's research into the Zodiac case was brought to me mm-hmm. directly from him. Uh, and he was asking for my assistance in trying to get his information in front of law enforcement, which was an overwhelming task. But through that process is how I got connected with Tom Colbert and the case breakers. And he really decided that we're, you know, we're doing good things and we have, you know, combined hundreds of years of experience between these members. Let's just make this official and try to go forth and do good things. And so that's what we're doing. Like we're officially a nonprofit, so people can make, you know, um, tax deductible donations. We're officially a nonprofit. And uh, yeah, there's about 40 of us and we all have varied backgrounds, which is awesome yeah. <laughs> because it really helps to have those different points of view when you're, investigating a case, obviously. Right. The, the way that I see it, and the, it's not the way that I'm seeing you guys being portrayed or, or the comments in the, in the dummy sections of YouTube or, or Reddit, is um, that you're out for, I don't know, like you're pushing the information out too quickly and all this kind of stuff because you, you want to get ahead of it before somebody else says. Here's what I want to say about my, my impression of it. That, sorry, the, the, the impression that I get from, from your group is that you're just trying to spend the time that law enforcement can't spend on cases that have gone so cold like this. They have no time to spend on, the, say, the Zodiac case anymore, right? Yeah, correct, and nor do they care to. I mean, it's just an unfortunate reality that there's not enough manpower and resources to tackle a 50-year-old right. case where the suspect is most likely dead and, you know, it's, it's generations have passed. There's just more pressing crimes that they have to investigate. So it's really not their fault. But the reason, you know, for those who think that we jumped the gun on this, the reason this is not at all how we want to go public. But right. the reason we did is because law enforcement would not collaborate, specifically Riverside PD. We asked them over and over again to please do a DNA comparison to the guy we think who was Zodiac, which is Gary Francis Post, and they just refused. And, you know, I I think we're going to talk about the Sherry Jo Bates murder, but that's under their jurisdiction, and we had, you know, even more pushback from them on that case, us trying to bring them information. And so we felt like we were at a dead end because we're not badged law enforcement. You know, like, at some point, we need their help. Right. And we just felt like we didn't have much choice but to go public. But, I mean, also people need to remember that we've publicized maybe 10% of what we know about Gary Post and his connection to Zodiac. So don't think that what we've released is like everything. (laughs) I think people are missing that. I'm not. That's what blows me away about this because the information that you guys have already put out there and what I've learned from you, I'm I'm pretty close to being (laughs) convinced this is the guy. This is only 10% of it. Also, Mm -hmm. I want to make clear for you, I know that you've said this in the past or just – just give you the opportunity to say this. You guys never claimed to, sol- to have solved this case, and that's what the media no. is saying that you've said, right? No, no, we've never used that word, nor nor would we until law enforcement makes that determination. We're just saying this is the information we've compiled over seven, eight years of work. It points to this guy, and now we're asking law enforcement to either confirm or refute our findings. That's it. We're just looking for that answer. And no matter what the answer is, it helps us move forward. Right. You know, and getting some answers for these victims and their family members. That's it. No, we did not claim that we solved it. I don't know where that came from, but it wasn't us. Well, and we're not saying 100% it's Gary Post. We're just saying he seems like the most likely guy. Yeah. It's uh, unfortunate in this day and age. I mean, well, it's always been like this. The press will take it and just try to sell their advertising with with big claims like that. Mm-hmm. And, and then the people want people, – people. there's a lot of people like in the comment sections that I'm talking about are so-called Zodiac experts. They act like they, they want to get to the, the actual truth and they want to be critical and put a discerning eye on this kind of stuff um, just in case, right? And, that, and that's fine. That's what they should do. But I think in, in many situations – 
people, especially in comment sections, um, they're just flexing some muscle where they want to feel superior and they want to feel right yeah. and you're wrong. I, I see them attacking you guys and they don't even have all the information and, and it's really pissing me off. But anyways, that's, that's give the information out there appropriately, at least on this podcast. Sure. Okay. So, Absolutely. And um, good. one of one of the things on that is that, you know, a lot the, yeah, there's a lot of Zodiac experts out there, no doubt. People who've spent longer than we did, you know, researching right. this. Don't forget, nobody's been arrested and this yeah. case is still open. So yeah. it's really an invalid claim, I guess, to say that we are wrong <laughs> when your guy hasn't been arrested, yeah. you know, or, um, or, or there's been no press release by law enforcement saying your guy is him. So... Uh, we're all on the same boat. And I don't know. I guess some people just make it into a competition, which is ridiculous because we're talking about people who lost their lives. I know. It's, so it's, it's not a competition. Oh, it just it throws a monkey wrench into the works and you've got to spend all this time putting out these little fires that they're trying to start, right? And these accusations. Mm-hmm. And the, right? And it just it's a waste of time. It happens in politics. It happens in everything. We won't go – anyways, I just wanted to vent a little bit of that and, and show that, uh, you know, some empathy or sympathy for your situation. And, and I don't know how you do it. I appreciate that. Oh my God! But I just ignore all that because I know I, they're being ridiculous, and I know the truth. So right. That's all that really matters. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Um, okay. So this whole potential solve of the zodiac's identity began with a troubled man uh, reaching out to a very important person. All this, Dale Julis, correct? Yes, Dale Julian. Yes, Julian. a news reporter previously out of California. Somebody misspelled his name when I was looking it up. I had Julis. I copied this too. So thanks again to the press. <laughs> Yeah, it's Julian with an N at the end of his Thank last name. You. All right. And you're, you're very careful to give him his respect and his due at every turn, I've noticed. He, he must be large, huge in this, right? He is. I mean, he's the main uh, investigator, I would say. Um, <laughs> not because he sought this case out, but like you said, because the tip was brought to him mm-hmm. about Gary Post. And he just started doing his own research and um, confirming, you know, all this information that had been given to him and then which we'll get into, but, uh, you know, did uh, uncovered a lot more clues and information that led him to believe that Coates was the Zodiac Killer. Okay. And if you can, I mean, obviously you can't talk about what you can't talk about, but um, this guy, you, you're, you're calling him Will. I think his actual name has been released, but if you you still prefer to call him Will? Or yeah. You, okay. He asked for anonymity, so we, we gave him a pseudonym, which is Will. Got it. I, yeah. the, the, just so you know, I, I think you probably know this. The New York Post, I believe, already released his name. Uh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, we we don't need to. Yeah. Okay, so so what was it that he came to uh, to Julian uh, with? Well, it, it was really just it was one of these tips where he he showed up at the news station. He was actually on the run from Gary Post because right. he had confronted Post about being Zodiac. Post tried to kill him, so Will was actually on the run when he finally made contact with. Dale and told him this whole story. And of course it sounds kind of outlandish at, at the beginning, but like I said, Dale did his due diligence and did a ton of research and um, confirmed everything that Will had told him about Post. Like, you know, he got, he was in the air force. He was a radar man. He was stationed at Vandenberg in Greenland, you know, like he mm-hmm. was, he was finding newspaper articles and military records to confirm everything that Will had told him. <clears throat> and so but Will had basically said, I think my, I think Gary Post, which was his father figure growing up, was the Zodiac Killer, you know, and this is why. And I'm not going to go into all the details of why he thought this, but suffice to say, Dale obviously went down the path and came to the same conclusion. And we can get into the ciphers and anagrams if you want, but that is his decoding of some of those talking letters is what convinced me yeah. that he had the right guy. Awesome. I know I want to get to all that. I won't um, drag this out too, too far for you. But again, this is just some information I was able to pick up. Uh, it's possible that, that Gary Francis Post, where was he from? He, we're just saying that he's from a small town in the high Okay, you keep it. Because gotcha. There's a, well, and, and he lived in the Bay Area, obviously. We know that. Okay. Killings. But yeah, we're kind of, we're not naming the town that he last lived in because sure. there's actually some trauma going on with some of his neighbors and other residents of that town. So we're just kind of trying to protect them. Okay. I'll keep this on, on my end. You don't have to respond to this if this this is uh, uncomfortable to the whole thing. This is just information that is out there that I picked up. That it's possible that Gary <laughs> Gary uh, Francis Post, who we're, we're, thinking, we're thinking might be the, the Zodiac killer here, um, 
had this posse in his hometown and this young man, Will, was a part of this where he was kind of training kids up out in the woods and like killing bears and harassing people, maybe even killing other people. Like it's possible this guy was like like training a a group of men. There's even guys on Facebook who were like – they all seem to have so much respect for Gary Francis Post, these younger men taking photos with them, even posting that he might have been the Zodiac back in 2018. Is this anything you can talk about mm-hmm. or care to talk about? I, uh, you know, I, I don't know a ton of details, and it's not that I can't talk about that. Sure. I, just, I probably know as much as you know what that's been publicized. Right. Because this wasn't really – some of this came out in Dale's research, but not a lot of it. It's been more recent. Right. But, yeah, it sounds like Gary – so Gary Post never had any kids of his own. Right. He did marry a woman um, who had a child, but um, he never fathered any of his own. And, and for whatever reason, it seems like he kind of sought out, not lost souls, you know, but like mm-hmm. kids, I think mostly male, younger males who didn't have a father figure or didn't have a lot of, you know, parental interaction or whatnot and, and was able to kind of take them under his wing and teach them some, I mean, some of these are just valid skills. I mean, he was a survivalist, you know, he could easily live off the land and he enjoyed doing that. And he, but he would teach these skills to some of these younger men, you know, and take them out. Yeah. Hunting and show them how to use weapons and how to make like a bear cache so that you can protect your food when you're sleeping at night. And, um, you know, which like berries are poisonous and which are not. And, Mm. you know, this stuff, Stuff like that, like Boy Scout type stuff, really. Right. Um, a lot of it is just similar to what you'd learn in the Boy Scouts. And I don't know if there was anything sinister behind this. Um, right. I, I, I don't know what his motive was for not wanting to have his own kids, but yet, you know, taking these other kids under his wing. Uh, that's something that we've I've not yet figured out. Yeah. But, I find yes, it. You're correct. I mean, there is, and Will was one of these kids. I mean. Okay. So, yeah. I find that part super interesting. Well, I guess that'll all come out in the future in books and things like that if, if, if they interview these people and all that. But just the thought that say he is the Zodiac killer, he's out there training these kids mm-hmm. to shoot and kill and filling their heads maybe with some of his rhetoric, right, or his beliefs, systems, and, yeah. and possibly even grooming them to, to do some damage in the world. And maybe yeah. maybe they did. I mean, I find that all very very, very interesting, but uh, again, that's that's to come out in the future. I, w- I want to get you on to um, just quickly what he did for for a living as as a young man, Gary Francis Post. Uh, I want like with the radar and may- maybe with the symbol and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Can I say real quick? I just want to fill the audience in that uh, Gary uh, Gary Francis Post. He was in a jeep accident while in the Air Force at the age of twenty. The driver actually died in that. He was a passenger and he suffered a head injury and like, teeth had to be pulled out of him and stuff. And then he was sent off to desolate Greenland and people for the, some people say that he came back kind of strange after this. Yeah. But besides that, um, is there anything uh, like with the radar? And I, I heard you talking about the symbol of, of the Zodiac that was pretty interesting. So he, you know, he joined the air force and, uh, was a radar man. That's what he was trained to do. And that also involves training in cryptology because back in the late 50s, early 60s, you know, we didn't have the technology we have now that would automatically encrypt messages. So particularly when he was up in Greenland, he had to use those cryptology skills in order to send coded messages to other um, radar stations along the distant early warning line up there, the dew line. Mm. And so he was obviously very skilled in that, but I mean, yeah, we kind of think that the symbol that he signed his letters with may be indicative of a a representative of a radar screen. And, you know, a lot of people have thought it's it's supposed to be like a scope. But I don't tend to believe that because if you look, the the crosshairs, so-called, don't stop at the edge of the circle like they would on a scope. Right. And they actually extend past, right? And so on a radar screen, although... the crosshairs tech, like physically stop at the edge of your screen, mathematically they don't. So you can have, I guess you would call it navigational or directional information that extends past what you're physically seeing on the radar screen. Mm-hmm. And I think that may be why, if that is why he chose that symbol, then that would be why the lines extend past. And it's just one clue of many in each of these taunting letters to his own identity. Wow. But it was, and no fault of police or anybody else, it was just misinterpreted. 
you know, like who's going to think about a radar screen being, <laughs> yeah. but that's what, but that's what that symbol is supposed to be. That's my theory. No, I love it. I mean, that would be the latitude, the longitude, right? The, the, the lines yeah. across. And... I believe so. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm, I'm no expert in that, but yes, I believe it's let the lot long. Wow. Yeah, I, I agree because I mean it's not. Why would he be so sloppy with something that he cared about so much as as his own personal symbol? Right? I think it's intentional. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Everything he did in those letters had a purpose. I mean, everything down to the stamp and the the date that they were that the letters were postmarked. I mean, everything has a meaning. So yeah, you're right. It's not just sloppiness. No, I don't think so. And also, obviously, I mean, if I was if I was him. All the all the clues that he's giving, and we'll get into this. You 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 would never be able to figure out, even though he's claiming that you could, if you're smart enough, you'd be able to figure out what he's trying to put across through these ciphers and, and these codes and and these clues and all that kind of stuff. You need to know who he is in order to put a lot of this yeah. stuff together. And now you guys think you know who it is, and some a lot of this stuff is coming together. And we'll, we'll get to that. So we we obviously can't cover and or even recap the entire Zodiac case, like I said, in one sitting here. But what I'd like to do with you is is just uh, before we really get into the the really juicy stuff on this, just go through which murders or suspected murders by Zodiac stand out most as having connections to Post. And I guess we would probably be beginning with um, what is suspected to be his earliest crime or murder here with Sherry Jo Bates. Would you agree that that would be the, that's the earliest, right? Eighteen year old. Well. Okay, so we believe that he killed Sherry Joe Bates. Riverside PD does not believe that, even mm-hmm. though they can't prove it. Right. But since our press release in October, we've actually had several people contact us saying, hey, there's this unsolved homicide down near San Diego. There's this one in Oceanside. There's this one here. Have you guys considered that these might be linked as well? And so that's one thing that we're looking into now is some of these other unsolved cases out of Southern California and whether. <clears throat> they might be linked to him. So I don't want to say for sure that Sherry Joe Bates was his first. Right. Because we've actually got one from 1962, I believe it is, that had similar MO and stuff. And so it's possible that he he was killing earlier in the 60s than what we think. That's So that's, that is an angle that we're working on. So oh. it's hard for, I can't really make a confident statement right now on which his first killing was. For sure. For sure. I'd say it's the first believed uh, suspected murder of the Zodiac. Mm-hmm. That I think that's obvious that there could be more. For, to bring the audience quickly up to speed on the Sherry Joe Bates case, uh, Sherry Joe Bates was uh, an 18-year-old student at Riverside City College. This uh, Her murder occurred on October 30th, 1966. It was a Sunday, uh, the day before Halloween, obviously. She was in the library from around 6 p.m. till 9 p.m., and witnesses say that they saw a man smoking and staring at her 1960 lime green Volkswagen bug from the shadows. That's believed that this man disabled Sherry's Volkswagen by tampering with the ignition coil while she was in the library. Um, likely the, the man comes up to her when her car won't start and then leads her to his vehicle. At least that's what the Zodiac claims later on, uh, if it was in fact mm-hmm. the Zodiac. And then she is attacked with a knife in a horrific attack. Uh, her screams are heard. Yeah. Uh, she fought like hell. There's DNA found under her fingernail, correct? Uh, yes, there was hair found, you know, on her bloody hand or whatever that had that they were able to extract DNA from. My understanding, right? And uh, there was a torn Timex watch found as mm-hmm. well, so that could have been the perpetrators, as well as a cigarette butt found. So the Zodiac later took credit once uh, open suspicion arose about his involvement. And um, this is what the Zodiac claimed to have done: he claimed to have offered her a ride, got her into the secluded area, and then said, "quote It's about time." Where after mm-hmm. Sherry Bates replied, about time for what? To which he simply replied, about time for you to die. Which sounds like the Zodiac for uh, witnesses that, that survived talking about the way that he would speak to them. Um, oh, sorry, one more thing here, Jennifer, that the Zodiac said in that letter. It's a quote. Only one thing was on my mind, making her pay for the brush-offs that she had given me during the years prior. End quote. I personally feel like this is a like a red herring or or maybe representative of another woman or women in general. Uh, so I just want to give a quick synopsis of what happened there with that particular crime and then ask you, do they have – so they have the DNA of whoever perpetrated this crime. Do you guys yet have the DNA of Gary Francis Post? So, that's an interesting question. Yeah, supposedly Riverside PD has this DNA sample and that's what we were asking them to compare to Gary Post's DNA. And Vallejo, I'm told, Vallejo PD and San Francisco PD both have a DNA sample from Post. Okay. Um, 
they all refuse to do this comparison, and I don't. I'm not going to get on the soapbox. I don't I understand why, because it's like take you a day to do this. Right. So we are. I have to stay a little bit vague on this part, but we have several from several residents of Gary Post Town that came forward after our press release. This is actually one of the great benefits of that press release. We have several items that we know belonged to Gary Post. And so we are working the DNA aspect through three DNA labs around the country and at our own cost, by the way, out of our, literally out of our own bank accounts, because that's how much we're trying to, this, um, how, this is how important it is to, to seek these answers. Right, right. And so some of that ev- potential evidence in, involves um, shell casing and other ballistics evidence. And so we're also working to get ballistics experts, um, you know, to do their thing on these shell casings and all that. And then we want to present all of this on a silver platter to law enforcement and say, here you go. Right. Do the comparison. Like, what do you have to lose at this point? Perfect. Okay. So we are heading in that direction. And I know everybody's like, I'm not going to believe this until we have, you know, forensic evidence. Well, same here. Like, we are working on that, I promise. So (laughs) that is our next big step. Okay. Um, I just want to get as much out of you as I can in the short amount of time we have. I've, I've just felt so rushed to get this set up. The The idea that this whole thing can just go away in an instant. I want to get this episode up too. And my fear is that we finish and you call me back and you're like, hey, uh, blackout in effect. No, no I won't. <laughs> right. um, Paul Lee Stein, the 30-year-old cab driver uh, mm-hmm. who worked for the Yellow Cab Co. who was shot uh, with a fare there. Uh, there were some witnesses to that. A piece of his bloody clothing was taken from the killer took it and uh, mailed it as the Zodiac to uh, to the newspaper, I believe. And yeah. um, so with this, we obviously, there, there's a lot to, to this case. I mean, they, this was their best chance to have had caught the Zodiac in that moment, right? It was, uh, go ahead. Yeah, probably so, because it sounds like he was right there close by for a little bit after the shooting. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, the description got through the game of telephone or whatever through the dispatcher became incorrect. And so police thought they were looking for African-American male yeah. rather than a Caucasian one. That right. was one big issue with that situation. It's a huge um, issue. But supposedly there was a couple eyewitnesses that did see Zodiac and, you know, worked with the sketch artist to create those sketches. Yeah. Uh, can you speak about the possibility that uh, Gary Francis Post was friends with this cab driver, Paul Lee Stein? Yeah, through Dale's research, he did find that they knew each other previously Wow. and had had a falling out. And actually, the thing that, well, aside from, like, we know Zodiac committed that murder because of the shirt, right? And right. he probably took that piece of shirt because he knew, like, police weren't going to link this to the other Zodiac crimes because it was so different. Yeah. Um, but because of the shirt, we know that it's linked. So anyways, but I believe that Post perpetrated the crime because in Dale decrypting these taunting letters that were sent to police, which all, by the way, are anagrams that have to be read. All the letters need to be rearranged in each one to reveal the actual message he wanted to convey. Mm-hmm. And Dale has decoded about half. And one of them, it clearly says that, you know, the killing of Paul Stein was um, business, basically, I think was the word that he used, something okay. to that effect, making it very clear that he targeted Paul Stein because of this perceived offense or whatever that I think Paul Stein stole some money from him is what I heard, something to that effect. And so, unfortunately, wow. I guess Gary Post felt the need to escalate it and kill him for that. But anyways, in the decoded letter, you know, it, it, Paul Stein's name is there and him explaining why he killed him. So it's like there's no other explanation for this. Wow. Um, so it has to be him, I think. So we'll we'll get into this decipher or, or with the, with the code breaking and all that right now, I think. But I just wanted to add one more thing to that. So there's been some blowback on this one, just this dumb stuff. Okay, and I got to get this off my chest. Where where people are like, well, well, how how would the Zodiac know which cab driver is going to pick him up? Like, how how would he be able to pinpoint? Like, if he made the call, hey, stupid! It's the Zodiac killer. Like, he can figure things exactly. out. He he probably knows He's his route. Extremely, yeah. He probably <laughs> followed. He was probably surveilling him. Number one, and to, you know, nailing down his work schedule and work area. Yeah. Like I've done a lot of surveillance, no doubt. Like right. trained in it, but I could easily, if I need to go find a particular cab driver in my city, it would not take me very long to go 
you know, find the person and figure out their work schedule and all that stuff. So oh. like he could do the same thing. Right. The guy's unfortunately brilliant. I don't know why. Yeah. I've heard a lot of pushback on that too. And I'm like, that's, it's dumb. I don't, I don't know why. That's an easy yeah. one. This guy's writing codes that took 50 years to figure out and they're yeah. still not completely figured out. He could yeah. figure out how to get in the cab of his victim, a guy that picks up people for a living. It's not hard. Exactly. <laughs> Rosetta Stone, everybody. You know, for a long time, I've been wanting to go to Japan, but the thing holding me back is that I'm intimidated by the language. And that's why I've been going pretty hard at the Rosetta Stone service. I want to be able to take my girl to Japan, a place that she's always wanted to go, and suddenly just start speaking fluent Japanese at the restaurant. That's my goal. <laughs> Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on a desktop or as an app, and it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It's been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users, 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. Rosetta Stone immerses you in a bunch of ways. Uh, there's an intuitive process where you pick up the language naturally, first with words and phrases, then sentences. They have the speech recognition feature. Built-in true accent gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Uh, it's like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's convenient, and it's an amazing value, especially with this offer here. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Dark Topic listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today all right everybody zipix toothpicks this is something that i use all the time so this episode is brought to you by zipix nicotine toothpicks zipix brings you a totally satisfying convenient and great tasting way to curb your nicotine cravings now you can get your nicotine fix anytime anywhere without having to rely on smoking or vaping Zipix toothpicks give you an easier, better, and more discreet way to get your fix. They're available in six great long-lasting flavors, and they have options in 2 milligrams and 3 milligrams of nicotine. Zipix are perfect for flights, sporting events, restaurants, podcasting, uh, literally anywhere that you smoke or vape where that's banned. They're also one of the most cost-effective nicotine products on the market. Zipix also offers caffeine and B12 infused toothpicks if you're not a nicotine user or if you're trying to get away from your nicotine habit. Zipix have already helped tens of thousands of customers, including myself, to get their nicotine fix without needing to inhale smoke or vape oils. Make your lungs happy and try Zipix nicotine infused toothpicks. So ditch the cigarettes, ditch the vape, and get some nicotine infused toothpicks at zipixtoothpicks.com today. Get 10% off your first order by using the code DARKTOPIC at checkout. Your lungs will be glad you did. Must be 21 years of age or older to order. Warning, nicotine is an addictive chemical. Zip more, smoke less with Zipix. Nicotine toothpicks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. All right. Um, can, can we get into the um, – I have one more one more of the murders that I wanted to talk to you about. But before we do that, can we make it clear uh, or just as clear as we possibly can? I understand what steps need to be taken now with the use of Gary Francis Post's name as a key to the cipher mm-hmm. and all that. Can we, can we talk about that right now? Yeah. Okay. So this is where like Dale's own brilliance comes into play because this is the turning point I think in this case is, so Dale's done all this research on Gary Post, right? Okay, confirmed everything Will told him, fine. And he's kind of like, well, now what am I going to do with all of this? Right. And he's just literally just at home one night alone and is like looking at, I think it was a Halloween letter. Yeah. He's looking at all these taunting letters that were sent to police and he's kind of like, you know, they don't, I mean, they say something, but they don't, you know? And he re, he's like, I wonder if they're anagrams. And Dale is not a you know, a code breaker by any means. He's right. a news reporter. Anyway, so he t- he took one of the letters and he t- he removed all the letters of the name Gary Francis Post. And then over time, and this, you know, it wasn't instant, it took him weeks, but he rearranged the remaining letters into a legible message that had much more value to it <laughs> mm-hmm. than the taunting letter itself. And so he used that methodology and just kept decoding letter after letter. And this is the over the course of like five, six years, okay? Right. It took him an extensive amount of time. But, 
you can find Gary Francis Post's name in every letter. It's usually in the last third of the letter. <clears throat> and if you rearrange the remaining letters, you will find the message that he's actually trying to convey. And before people even start with this again, yes, you can find the letters to anybody's name in most of these, okay? I understand that, but that's not going to leave you with the correct combination of remaining letters that you need to decode. I can't believe um, I can't believe you have to explain why. that. I can't believe you have to keep on explaining that part. My, me and my uh I don't either. I know. My fiance were watching and she was like this poor woman has to explain that part? That's ridiculous. I was like, I know, I know. She, it, but you, you have yeah. the, you have such patience with all this. It's thing. fine. I mean, I'll, I'll keep explaining it. So, good God. So yeah. So the cipher key, as they call it, to all of these anagrams is Gary Francis Post. So everybody knows the solution now. You can't solve them properly without the cipher key. And he was obviously never a suspect. No one, it, it gave him a second look. So why would anybody have even thought to use his name to decode these over the years? They wouldn't have. Right. You, this is a very unique case and a very unique approach that Dale took in terms of you had to work the case backwards, essentially. Right. You needed to know the suspect's name right. in order to figure all this out. Yes, yes. So over the course of these many years, Dale decoded about half the taunting letters, and he's still working on the rest. And we would love if, you know, the general public out there wants to help with all with the rest. <laughs> Yeah. I know Dale is sick and tired of anagram. Right. But through decoding these, he this is this is a turning point in his manuscript for me. Three of the letters give specific directions to what we believe is an evidence site where post initially disposed of the body of Donald Lass yes. in the high Sierras. Okay. There, in my mind, is no other explanation for that. No. You and, cannot explain that away. Oh, and we we want we got to talk about that in a sec. I just want to make something clear, though, too, and I've heard you make this clear as well. You're not discounting, you, you the case breakers aren't discounting all the work that's gone into breaking the initial code and getting these silly messages, it seemed, that we were getting out of, like, the 340 and, and all that. That was very difficult work, and, and that work was done appropriately. What you're saying now is that yeah. that... That message is not the final message. The final message is in an anagram within that, and then using Gary Francis Post's name as the cipher, as the key, um, you can unlock the the true message that is beyond that, right? That's exactly right. And we've been working, I say we, that's kind of a joke. I mean, <laughs> I've tried to help Dale, but I, don't, I think I'm more of a hindrance. But we've been working on that 340 cipher. You're correct. And like I I keep saying, like the guys that broke it about a year ago, I believe their solution is correct. Right. I mean, they're brilliant, you know. Mm -hmm. The thing is, everybody's all disappointed because like you said, the message doesn't say much yet again. Well, you have to decode it one more time. It's an anagram. So you'll find Gary Francis Post in the last third of it. You will find a song lyric. I'm not going to say which one. In the first third, and that's part of his pattern and his M.O. Right. And then the rest needs to be encoded, and that's what we're working on. But it's so big, huge. You know, it's, it's, it literally gives you a headache. Oh, oh, God, it's killing me. I can't stand it. Uh, what I thought was really in- <laughs> was really interesting was you 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 noticed you were saying that it's possible that when he misspelled words like Xmas with two S's or Paradise with the C instead of the S was intentional so that it would work with his his name. Yeah, yeah. I mean. To create an anagram, you know, you obviously like you need to know what message you want to say, but then you've got to be able to convert it into something else. So, some yes, he would have to purposely misspell things sometimes, right, in order to make the anagram work. And paradise being spelled with a C is often because he needed a C for Francis', Francis. His middle name. Yeah, that um, that shot me out of my chair when you said that. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not the biggest thing in this whole thing, but just something about that uh, yeah. shot me out of my chair. So it makes perfect sense to me because, yes, I was one of the people who was always like, wow, he went all to all that work just to friggin' taunt them again? He could have just done that yeah. writing that. He was already doing that. Why did he go? That was so much work just to say something like that. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense that there's there's even more to it, but haha, you'll never get it because you'll never know my name. Mm-hmm. And now that you know the name, you can get yeah. it, right? Okay. And it is possible that if someone had someone who's really skilled in anagrams had had worked on decoding them over the years, but it, I think it's possible you could decode one and maybe be left with the name, with the letters of his name. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But I think that's a much longer shot than... Actually having the name? I mean, you basically, yeah, you need to know the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so you, you mentioned there uh, stuff that was pointing to Donna Lass. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is so interesting. Lake Tahoe. Uh, Donna Lass yeah. was a nurse. I believe she was 25 years old. She was working overnights at a casino, September as like doing first aid and stuff for probably drunks who've falling and people having uh, panic attacks because they just lost all their money. So she she was she was doing this job. Uh, September 6, 1970, she goes missing, and somebody calls her landlord and her work, and uh, you know tries to cover for her or something. But they think that this might have been been the killer. Anyways. The 13-hole punch card, the Halloween card, and the peek through the pines card that the Zodiac sent all seem to lead to what you were just talking about. I'll let you talk about this. Mm-hmm. Right. So, in, again, going back to Dale decoding right. these letters, um, he realized that, you know, some of these particular ones were like appeared to be giving, like, directions or right. something. And um, what it ended up being was, it gave some very specific directions up near Lake Tahoe to um, the specific tree that I, I had to actually went and refresh my memory this morning was reading his manuscript again, but um, a tree that Barry said would be on um, federal, what is it? Forest service land. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> and that the tree was like deformed. It's like got a double trunk and then twist back into itself and whatnot. And, and that, this tree would be found so many feet from this particular campground, stuff like that. And so Dale, well, you know, his own time, his own dime, everything went to up to this location with a couple other researchers and followed the directions and end up at this tree. And part of the decoded message said that Donna Lass's body was hung in a bear cache 40 oh. feet up the tree. Well, obviously almost 50 years later, the bear cache is no longer there, yeah. but they got a 40 foot ladder <laughs> Lo and behold, 40 feet up the tree exactly is a bunch of hardware embedded in the tree that could have easily been used to hang a bear cache from. Like pulleys and, and things like that, right? Yeah, parts of it. I mean, obviously it deteriorated over mm-hmm. time, but <clears throat> definitely some parts that may have been used for exactly that purpose. And keep in mind that Gary Post was a house painter right. and had a 40-foot ladder as part of his business. So <clears throat> we think that's the ladder that he used. Um, up there to hang her bones. Now, obviously, we don't know what happened to her. I still think we could find her. I mean, that is one of my long-term goals. I think she's still up in the high Sierra somewhere, and I think we can find her. But okay. um, most likely, I'm guessing he probably came back and removed the bear cache at some point and then disposed of her elsewhere. Right. But So, again, like, when I got to that part of Dale's manuscript, I was like, again, there's no other way to explain this. I mean, he's being led right to this tree that it fits the description perfectly. How, how else do you yeah. explain that? <laughs> and we were talking about bear caches and teaching those young men about that kind of thing earlier. And now you got one, you also have it's 40 feet up, 40 foot ladder. He was a house painter. We'll get into that in a minute too. Mm-hmm. There was paint found on the Timex watch that was ripped at the scene of the Sherry Joe Bates uh, murder as well. But people discount that. They're like, well, if he was, if he was a painter, uh, wouldn't he be skilled enough not to get paint on his watch? Shut up, dude. Like, shut up. No. Okay. So I do interior painting on the side. Like I've painted <laughs> all our houses and stuff and I've painted several other people's houses. You cannot help but to get minute paint spatter. Yeah. On your arms when you're rolling a wall. I mean, oh my God. I mean, unless you work at a snail's pace, it's impossible to not get that, those minuscule paint spatter. Can you imagine so, no. discounting all of your guys' work because painters should, just, just based on that one small thing yeah. that there's paint on the watch, they're like, ah, forget it. What? Yeah, I, mean, wait. I mean, this just shows you the, the, <laughs> the lengths people are trying to go to, I guess, to discredit us rather than, why don't you just look at it all objectively? Well, that's wrong. You disagree with us, but like, yeah. take it in and think about it first. Oh, my know? God. Well, this... It's not even the watch. I mean, so the watch is there with the paint spatter, sure. and they still have the watch, I believe. Yeah. Which I don't know if they've done DNA analysis on it or what. But anyways, on top of that, like, they have the, ten, the size 10 boot print. Right. Which is the size Gary Post wore, and it's a wing walker boot. And I know that this is circumstantial. I understand that. But it's just one more thing, one more detail at that scene that does not eliminate him, you know? Right. So, I mean, that's the size boot he wore and the style of boot that he preferred, which is not, you know, natural. He was in the military. Right. Um, So there's like several pieces of circumstantial evidence at a minimum from that scene that seem to point to him. Okay. At least don't exclude him. 
So using using um, Dale's uh, breaking of this code with with using F- Gary Francis Post's name as the cipher, he found this location where it's possible that Donna Lass's body was stored for a period of time. This is what we're thinking. I, here, here's another thing on this. Uh, Gary Francis Post at some point had mentioned to a friend about a she in the tree, correct? Yes. And this could be who we're talking about, obviously. Yeah. He uh, makes several references over the years to what sounds like him having hung a body from a tree. For example, on the letter that was sent to Donalas's sister, um, sister uh-huh. which we don't know that was sent by Zodiac. Right. But he calls Donna the guardian of the pines. Yep. You know, and so it's it's little phrases like that that he has stated, that he has written, but also that are in his codes that all seem to point to this is the reality of what he did with her body. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm not going to get into the, the nitty-gritty details of all, all of what Dale decoded, but just know that there's several phrases that he decoded that talk about Donna Lass's body being hung from this tree. Wow. How about the fact that Gary Francis Post's um, company, his painting company, was named Pine Mountain Painting? Right. <laughs> well, I will say there's a little town called Pine Mountain Lake. Right. You know, okay. outside of the, well, I think it's between the Barry and Yosemite up in there somewhere. But anyway, so I don't, I don't know whether he just named it after the town. Right. Or, yeah, another reference, maybe. It's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting for sure. For sure. Yeah, it's just something to take note of. Absolutely. Uh, we're we're going to miss all kinds of stuff, but I, I only have so much of your time. I just want to say, like, so Gary Francis Post, he's dead now. He died in 2018. Uh, he was a, mm-hmm. he was arrested in 2016 for pushing his wife down the stairs. That's correct. <laughs> so he had two arrests um, before his death, one in 2014 and one in 2016. And the 2016 one was a felony, um, yeah, for domestic assault. All right. I, I don't remember the exact charge, but something to that effect. Okay, well, and, it shows he's got some violent tendencies, though, right there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, he was very, our understanding is that he was quite a controlling person over his wife. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like you said, had some violent tendencies. I mean, he swung a hammer at Will's head trying to kill him. Right. So <clears throat> he's got some issues for sure. Yeah, yeah. Besides all that, um, I, in my opinion, he looks like the sketch. When you look at the old the old photos of him, if you put some glasses on that, he looks he looks he looks like the sketch to me. How about you? Yeah. Well, that's something that Will first brought up to Dale. He had some pictures, and he's like, "Look at this." He's like, "This is part of the reason I started thinking about this." Like, he looks like the sketch. <laughs> I guess he'd made a joke to Gary Post at one point, like, "Hey, old man," which is what he called him, and that's yes. what Gary liked to be called. And by the way, that comes up in some of the decoded messages. Wow. Anyways, um, hey, old man this looks like you, you know? And of course that was uh, many, many years ago. And um, so Gary Post kind of blew it off at that point. It sounds like, you know, and I think Will did too. But then when it came back around later on and Will actually confronted him, that's when, you know, Gary tried to ramp up the violence and kill him. Right. So, right. I mean, I, I don't know if you have nothing to do with the Zodiac killings. I don't know why you would get so angry. Right. <laughs> That, <laughs> yeah, and every photo I see of Gary Francis Post, and I'm going to get some shit for this because people will be like, "Oh my God, you, you can't be like saying it's this guy." I'm not saying it's this guy. I'm just saying what's what's interesting about it. All the photos of him with his younger pals, who they would go out on these weird hunting trips, and uh, from what I've heard, like do pranks on local police officers to try to get them out of the neighborhood mm-hmm. by throwing rocks through their windows and stuff. Really odd things. All the photos, it looks like. God, that looks like what the Zodiac killer would look like. You know, like he, it's like it's like he doesn't want his picture taken, and he's got all these like young guys with their arms around him, like the old man. You know, I learned everything I, you know, I know from this old man. It's it's so weird and so compelling and so interesting. There was one more thing I wanted to ask you about, and and I want to give you a chance to to clear up anything that we might have missed that you want to make sure you get out there. Were his ashes spread in a suspicious kind of area? I barely well, saw this. I, you know what? I didn't even know what was done with his ashes until recently, but okay. I guess that they were <laughs> that they were spread up in the high Sierras. Go figure. <laughs> um, I don't. I'm I'm assuming that was his like what if he had a will that that's what he put in there that he wanted done. Right. That he wanted to be cremated and scattered in the high Sierras, which is like 100 percent appropriate for Zodiac. Right. 
But um, beyond that, I don't know any detail about it. Like, I honestly don't know exactly where his ashes were scattered or who scattered right. them or anything like that. So, what is what would be the significance <laughs> of that? Do you, do you, or, or just what's making you kind of like laugh about that? Just to be clear, I think this is because that was like his area of operation. Right. I mean, he, like you said, groomed his posse of guys up in the Sierras. You know, he committed crimes up in the Sierras. He obviously had some attachment to it. I mean, to put Donald up in a tree, I mean, it's kind of it's weird. It's yeah. just plain strange. Um, and a hell of a lot of work that's unnecessary to the crime. But he, I, I just think he had some sort of attachment to the outdoors up there. And it was like, I don't know. He felt like he owned it or it's his base or mm-hmm. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know either. I think that there's a lot of victims that, that we don't know about. There's so much more that's going to be coming back. I, I mm-hmm. think, I also think that if, if this man is the Zodiac or just, let's just say the Zodiac killer got off on knowing things that other people didn't know about what he had done, like having a body up in the trees and, and, sending sending these messages like that's something he would get off on just having little secrets right he liked codes i mean the guy oh, loves wait. secrets right mm-hmm. <laughs> so. yeah i mean i think like like i said before he gave a lot of clues to his identity but also his personality through these letters um you know just being able to create these codes was obviously a clue into the killer themselves but one that just didn't materialize mm-hmm. but yeah i think so you know like like most serial killers, Ted Bundy, BTK, whatever, like there is an absolute sexual component behind it, a sexual mm-hmm. compulsion, mm-hmm. you could even call it. And that does not come through with Zodiac, right. at least in my opinion. No. And so I, I think it was more the thrill of how much danger, like how much risk can I make myself take and still get away with it? And I think that's what he got off on was the thrill of leading this double life very effectively. Yep. You know, just like going out and killing people and making these crazy anagrams and taunting letters and then going painting somebody's house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, like total like dual, not dual personality. It's just like a public persona and a private one. And I think he, that was the thrill for him. Yeah. And um, I, I kind of think he kept upping the ante too, which you probably heard me say, like in some of these cases, he wanted to make it harder and harder for himself. And in fact, I have a theory that some of these anagrams he created prior to even killing the victim. Wow. And so part of the challenge to himself was having to find a victim that would match what he had put in the coded anagram. Yes. Um, You know, I don't know if we'll ever know for sure if that's true or not, but it's just something that came to my mind in the theory that I have. Very interesting. Because some of these letters are mailed like right after. And I was like, you can't, I mean, as smart as he was, I don't think he could create an anagram overnight. Right. So, it's almost like he had to be working on them ahead of time before the crime. That's super interesting. Super interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is, is, I mean, yeah. there's, there's, there was another side road. I could have taken us down right there with a pre when we remember they found that note underneath the, the, uh, the chair and the one case. Um, anyways, what, like it was like, mm-hmm. it was like the, the killer had written this note, put it underneath the chair, knowing no one would ever get it. But if it was the Zodiac, he would get off on knowing it's there. Just knowing certain things are, are around, there's clues everywhere, you know? And, and for sure. him, for him to be yeah. walking, walking around the world full of pride, constantly probably with dopamine dumps in his mind, just every time he thinks of it or every time he hears about it, every, like the movie comes out, Dirty Harry comes out. Then you got the Zodiac movie come out. He probably just thrilled throughout his entire life. And if it was in fact Gary Francis Post, uh, our only hope for him not getting away with it is that there's some kind of afterlife, uh, which he believed in, uh, right? <laughs> he believed that he had yeah. slaves. Well, it depends how you interpret his letters. <laughs> um, yeah, at face value, he was always saying he was collecting slaves from afterlife or whatever it was. But, right. Uh, part of that may just be he needed those letters, you know, in order to make the anagram. Ah, and gotcha. If you break break the anagram, get the real message. So, right. Um, you know, slaves has a V in it, which is a rare letter. You know, there's not a oh. lot of words that have the word V in it that mm-hmm. are going to make sense. So that may be one reason that he picked that word right. to use more than one time. Right. Um, so I wouldn't, yeah, I really wouldn't take any of these letters at face value. No. I mean, we know that, we know not to because it's like at face value, he threatened to blow up school buses of kids and that never materialized and that wasn't ever a plan of his. Right. As we now know, once you decode that letter, but, um, so I don't, I don't know, but that's just my, 
Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just really hoping that there is an afterlife, I guess. And I just kind of threw that out there, but yeah, yeah, that's, uh, (laughs) (laughs) we can, we can wrap this up. I've taken up an hour of your time. I just, what I want to say. Oh no, it's fine. Okay. Is there anything else you wanted to add or, or get out there? And just like a couple more details on the letters. Um, It's not, it's not always just the written message itself that needs to be taken into account. Um, You have to look at the envelopes and the information that's on the envelopes and like, for instance, the stamps, like he picked particular stamps. Like there's one envelope that had an Apollo eight stamp and lo and behold, in the decoded anagram that accompanies that envelope, there is a quote from the Apollo eight crew. I'm not going to say which one it is, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's, it's things like that. Like, the um, one of the letters referencing Donna Lass, the, the postage stamp has, it's like snow on the trees or something like that, you yeah. know, and it's like, oh, my gosh, okay. So all these little things, even the postmark date is important sometimes. And actually, we were told that he had his own postmark machine or whatever it is at his house so he could dictate wow. <laughs> what date meaning what numbers went on the postmark on the envelope. And when you take into account numbers on some of these, um, that's how Dale got directions up to the evidence site near Tahoe. Because obviously, I mean, I shouldn't say obviously, but like to give proper directions, you need to use some numbers. Right. And so you've got to look at the company envelopes as well. And, you know, another thing is like, he, you know, people say, oh, he claimed 37 victims, and I'm not so sure about, I mean, I do think he had more than seven, but I'm not sure he had 37. But do some research on how radar numbers are written out, and what you do is next to the radar screen, you put, I guess it's a lot long or whatever, mm-hmm. but you would put it with a na- with a minus sign in front of it, is my understanding, um, it, it is one way to write a navigational direction, I guess, if you do radar so the 37 may have, I don't know that that's the number of victims. I think it might have some other significance um, in terms of maybe giving direction somewhere or something like that. I think it's just part of the, the anagram yeah. that those numbers need to be used. So, And I'm hopeful that maybe as we hopefully crack all of them someday, that maybe there's directions to where Donalas is now. Right. Um, but we just don't know yet. You you seem to think, or I mean, I, I think I might. I felt like maybe some animals had gotten up there and maybe dragged her all over the place over the years. But you you guys are hoping that he brought her down, kind of like to to get the heat off of that particular situation, maybe buried her somewhere. That's my hope because that would give us a better chance of finding her. Yeah. But obviously, we don't know. I mean, the bear cache could have just disintegrated, and like you said, the bones got scattered. But you know. You would think by now if the bones got scattered, it's near a campground okay. that's still used. So you would think hikers or somebody would have discovered at least one of her bones. Right. Um, but it's not impossible that they didn't either. So either scenario has to be considered. But, I'm, you know, I'm just hopeful for the former and that because obviously we'd like to find her. Right. And at least... <laughs> You know, get, get a little bit of resolution for her and her family. There, well, I, I was trying to let you go here, but there's so many questions. Just one more. There's surviving victims, right? Yeah. So there's at least two two surviving victims, and there's at least twenty family members of victims who are still alive, and all of them deserve answers. That's all we're after. Absolutely. As I really feel that from you that that's that's your your driving force. I I'm a little more selfish or something. I don't know what it is. What what I meant by that is <laughs> is that can, so couldn't couldn't you guys, couldn't you show those surviving victims the the old pictures of Gary Francis Post and see if any of them can ID them or is that something that's going to be coming up in the future here? Um, that I'm not really. Well, I shouldn't say I'm not privy to it. I'm privy to all of it, but um, I'm not at liberty. I guess to yes. exactly who. Dale has gotten in contact with over okay. the years and who the casebreakers is currently working with on is, some of that stuff. That's something that will come out later on, I think, in this documentary. All right. So that's, so, that's, and that's also just to protect these people, too. You know, sure. we don't probably want to be hassled. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we just, we're just trying to protect everybody who's, who is helping us behind the scenes and who is talking to us about stuff like that. But no, the those conversations are going on. That's amazing. I mean, when you talk about just people only know, having heard 10%, par, knowing that part of that 90% yeah. would be something like that, knowing that part of that 90% would be yeah. DNA, 
You know, um, those are exactly. massive things. And, and and knowing that part of that nine percent is is showing how these codes were broken down and, and led to things like the Donna Lass possible cash uh, body site yeah. and all that kind of stuff. It's incredible that he even found uh, something that resembled what was described um, in the letter. Anyways. Okay. Exactly. I know. I'm still astounded by it. I really am. It's unbelievable. All right. Well, the way I see it, uh, the case breakers should be commended for the time you're all spending on uh, that law enforcement can't afford to spend. And right or wrong in the end here, I'm just thankful we have groups like the case breakers out there uh, because if we're to, to, to depend on the know-it-alls arguing in discussion threads to – you know, pick up the slack here. Uh, absolutely nothing would get done. Just kind of like in uh, Parliament, like here in Canada, or in, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, it's like crabs in a bucket in, in those comment sections. I'm just really when I see you talking about it, when I've watched you on YouTube and all that, I'm like, thank God it's someone like her. You know, because <laughs> you're not a dummy. You're you're not a, you're not yeah. a nut. You you're qualified. And eventually we can calm these people down to listen. And I just wanted to help and be a part of that if, if I could. And I hope, I hope that uh, – I look forward to, to what, everything that is to come. Absolutely. I had, I'm hoping some of those people will maybe hop – not necessarily hop on board, but like I actually want to make a video at some point with Dale showing his exact – I mean I've described it verbally, his process, and I think it's pretty clear. But I would love to make a video – with him really showing his process for these anagrams, because seriously, we would like to crowdsource and get people to help us yeah. figure out the rest. Um, we're not trying to like lay claim to any of that. Let's just, let's just get them solved, you know? And I had hoped maybe some of these Zodiac experts who've done all this research over the years would have reached out one to help with that. But have they? So far, I don't think we've had, <laughs> I don't think so. Not that I know of. Well, they don't want the uh, fund they're in. Too busy. They're, just, they're just too busy. Like, you know, like you said, going on Reddit and whatnot, yeah. Yeah. completely not helpful, but that's uh, fine. If that's how they want to waste their time, I guess that's sure. okay, but we've got better things to do. Right. Yeah. Like solving this thing. I did a little intro at the start mm-hmm. where I kind of attacked that whole thing. So I, I kind of covered that a bit. <laughs> Just that awesome. some, yeah. some of those so-called <laughs> experts seem to not want this fun to end. And it, it's the fact that it would even be fun uh, when we're talking about right. so many victims no. and the terrorization of, of, the country for the last, you know, for that period. And Indeed. Oh, my God. Anyways, um, where can people reach uh, out? Uh, where can they Where can they find you guys and maybe donate to, to the cause and, and find out more? Um, you can go to our website. It's thecasebreakers.org, and there's a wealth of information on there about some of the cases we're working. Um, and you'll also see there's a section that has videos and podcasts, and it's not all just about Zodiac. You'll, you'll see some videos that, me and my investigative partner, George, have done on our current case of Debbie Williamson and the last case we worked of Rebecca Gould. Mm-hmm. Um, those are actually my focus much more than Zodiac and what I prefer to work on. But um, you can read our team bios. You can actually email us if you want. So, like, if anybody out there wants, does want to lend their skills, like, please send us an email and give us a little background and tell us what how you'd like to help us. And we read all of those. And we also take request to work on cases there's no guarantees but you know if you have a case that you think would be appropriate for a team to look at you know you can email us about that too awesome like like you said if you if you want to make a tax deductible donation we would certainly welcome that because we are several thousand dollars in the hole right now out of our own pockets on the dna and ballistic stuff so um we wouldn't mind reimbursing ourselves but if that doesn't happen it doesn't happen right um and then for me, my handle on YouTube and Twitter is uh, Jen Bukalt PI. So you can find me personally at those two places. And I have my own YouTube channel with a few videos on there. Yes. And Case Breakers has a YouTube channel as well that you can go see. So we're going to have some new content on the Case Breakers one very soon. I'll um, put... But not about Zodiac. <laughs> no. Oh, man. I'm tired of it too. But And I only yeah. did like four days straight here on it just, just trying to uh, – you must yeah. be dying there. But but it's so important and it seems like it's so close too. So Yeah. I feel like it is. Yeah. I do too. And then um, I'll plug my own podcast. Please do. Thank, huge thanks to my employer, American Military University, because they rebranded one of their podcast channels this year for me and George. And – we are in currently in season two of Break the Case, and that uh, is covering me and George's real-time investigation into the unsolved murder of Debbie Williamson. So yep. she was killed in 1975 in Lubbock, Texas, stabbed to death outside her back door. And George and I have actually 
made a trip to Lubbock. We did some on-the-ground investigation, interviews, met with police, did all kinds of stuff down there. And so if you want to tune in and hear about our progress on that, you can listen to Break the Case. And we've also got a Facebook group you can follow and help us. I mean, you know, we're trying to crowdsource here. Yeah. But it's Unsolved Murder of Deborah Sue Williamson. So we urge anybody that is interested to join and, you know, engage in brainstorming conversation with us. It's a great podcast. I've been listening to it. Uh, no nonsense and tons of information. I think I think uh, the listeners will really enjoy it. I, I believe if you had got involved in podcasting five or six years ago, you'd be huge. Um, <laughs> but it's so oversaturated right now, right? But it is. Break the case. It is. Also, your YouTube channel, I, I saw you um, with, with – what is it? The Debbie Williamson case? Do I get her name right? Yes. Okay. I think, yeah. I think I have a couple of videos from when we were in Lubbock on there, and I'm, I'm going to yeah. try to put – more together, and then I've got a few from the Rebecca Gould case out of Arkansas that we worked on. That so, was huge, too. And we're, that one is in limbo right now because it did result in arrest, but we're waiting on trial next year. So that's why George and I decided to team up again and, and tackle another case, and hopefully we'll have the same outcome. So cool. All right. Yeah. Check out Break yeah. the Case. I'll put everything that you mentioned there into the show notes for anybody who wants to contribute or, or check out more of what's going on with the Crime Breakers. And I want to thank you so much, uh, Jennifer Buchholz, for, for, for your thank time. Thank you for having me. I, I really, really enjoyed our conversation. So did I.